Welcome to Interviews. Being an entrepreneur is the toughest job ever. There are no practical guidelines. So I created this podcast to help crack the entrepreneurship code. Join me every week as I invite entrepreneurs to share their stories, the practical tips and lessons they've learned along the way. Don't be the main bottleneck in your business. Subscribe now. Interviews is brought to you by Social Prize, a marketing and communication agency operating remotely since 2005. Social Prize specializes in digital technologies and communication, web development, e-commerce, remote working, coaching, training, growth hacking. Log on their website, socialprize.me. Hi, welcome to episode four of my special startup series presented by the Nordic Startup School. NSS was funded to improve the quality of startups in Finland and educate their founders to become the best possible entrepreneurs they can be. For more information about NSS, log on their website, nordicstartupschool.com. Today, we are going to cover two topics at once finance and more specifically financial management and fundraising and there i can hear people saying yes that's a great topic well i'm afraid that you can't talk about fundraising without talking about financial management with me i have aki lukainen is a funding partner of nss aki has over 20 years of international business and financial management experience in startups scale-ups and corporations in various sectors he has negotiated agreements in R&D and customer funding. He has secured tens of millions of funding from VC investors, CVC strategy investors, and public sources, and worked on both sides of the m and table. Hello, Haki. Thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you for inviting. Pleasure. And with me, I have Ilka Kaikuvu, is a CEO and partner of Barani Works and also a partner in NSS. Ilka is a startup enthusiast, Mr. Noisy, and defines himself as an OK-ish hobbyist marathon runner. He's also the co-founder of Framery, Servipal, and a few other companies. He's a board amateur, a research nerd, and an angel investor. Hello, Ilka. Thank you very much for being here today. Hi, and thanks for having me. So tell me, why Mr. Noisy? That comes from the origin story of of Framery. So Framery started uh, 11 years ago when we were all working in this um, pretty pretty crappy open office setting. <laughs> and I I was running two teams, so the sales team and the, the integration team. And I was basically disturbing everyone because I was already back then, 11 years ago, I had uh, about five or six hours per day, like online meetings with with my customers from, from oh. over the Baltic Sea area and uh, and also from Norway and Sweden and Denmark too so basically I was disturbing everyone and that's that's the origin <laughs> of the, the primary so I'm the reason for for the company being founded well someone Vesku did all the work but I was the <laughs> reason for me being noisy and yeah that's the that's the origin of the Mr. Noise. So being always noisy and disturbing everyone in the office. <laughs> All right, I see. Okay, so let's let's go into the the topic 
you know, when it comes to to startup, it's everybody is super interested about scales and marketing. Everyone is super interested about fundraising, of course. But when we talk about financial management, suddenly <laughs> we don't see we don't hear a lot of interest in financial management. But at the same time, it is so important. Well, what do you think is that? Well, number numbers are boring. That's obviously <laughs> that. Yeah, I think that's the main reason. Numbers are boring, and and then if you ask someone, it's it's always better to pitch pitch a company to someone than to go through the excels and, and check out if if everything matches. So. <laughs> But let's let's be clear then. What are we talking about when we talk about financial management? To me, it's actually it's 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 your execution plan. It's it's mm. what what you are actually doing. What are you going to do? And and from there you can take fancy charts to your pitch deck or so on. But without those, you don't really know what you are doing. You don't know how to explain it to anyone outside of your team. So I think that's essentially what what financial planning is to me. Mm, right. I, I have to agree with Aki. So that's that's financial planning or financial stuff of, of a of a startup, and um, also including let's say cash flow forecasts and, and checking on on if there's like some services running on your credit card that you don't anymore use and and so forth and and so further on on that those lines so so basically it's everything that that comes to your numbers at startup right and so why is it so important or critical i should even say that startup funders understand financial management well you have to make decisions constantly in startup Mm -hmm. and if you don't know where you are and where you are heading it's very difficult to make decisions and and if if you're on on SaaS business model and um most of your billing comes in in January, so there's like let's say eighty um, percent of your billing income comes on January, and then you have to live with that for uh, let's say next eleven months. Then you have to do some financial forecasting, and you have to have your finances online because otherwise you will run out of money on on March because in in January you have tons of money and and later you don't get anything until the next January. That's a good that's a good point. <laughs> Indeed. Do you have do you have all the examples of how can you use uh, financial management to make decisions? Well, I think Ilka gave a good example, you know, you know where you're spending your money, you can decide not to spend money more. <laughs> and mm. when you decide on something new, you know, like renting a new facility office or so on, understanding what's the impact on your cash flow, does it shorten mm. your, you know, runway how much and and so on so i think those are some of the let's say perhaps some boring decisions but some more interesting decisions would, would be to hire and fire people which mm-hmm. you know especially hiring you know how much you can spend on on sales how much you can spend on r&d and so on so i think those are important parts and 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 you know obviously hunch is a, is, is a good way of making decisions but you have to back up those with some numbers Mm. Yeah, and on the long run, it doesn't work to work on only with hunches. So, so, yeah, and uh, and then obviously, obviously, toes and and then when what comes to the funding rounds, it's always nice to know when you're running out of money, so that you can start the funding round when you still have some money, and you at the bottom of the cash 
cash register is not sewing already. So it's, it's, it's way better to start fundraising like three months before and not when you're totally out of money. So we talk about cash flow and cash flow forecast. That is one tool that uh, funders should uh, understand. Uh, are there other tools that startup funders should uh, learn when it comes to financial management? Well, I, I think, you know, understanding basic Excel and, and, and you know, income statement and, and uh, cash flow, I think those are the main things. And, and don't make it too difficult, very simple, straightforward and, and updated one so that it's, it's not lagging behind, but rather you're on top of things. Mm-hmm. I think that's already a sufficient start. Obviously, you can do whatever fun, fancy things but, and uh, fancy tools, but uh, most likely those will, those will not be used. Right. Is that why you're saying don't make it too difficult? Because exactly. when it's too fancy, you don't, you don't use it? Yeah, I think the biggest asset is when you update it like weekly or bi-weekly yeah. or at least monthly based. So then you are on top of things. Yeah. And if you fall behind, you know, it's very difficult, you know, get back on track. Yeah. And, and when you are running a startup, you do have some other things to do than update Excels and, and do the financial stuff. So so it shouldn't be too complicated so that you, you actually update it. But what I would like to see is that... Uh, my entrepreneurs or startup founders would would know what the balance balance sheet actually means right so that there's the test the income statement of obviously and then there's the balance sheet and it would be really really nice to see someone knowing what the what the balance sheet is actually about but that's uh, i think that's something that doesn't happen in, in my lifetime so <laughs> well luckily you're part of a podcast so let's educate the audience what is a balance sheet well i can tell that <laughs> well, it gives it gives an information what you owe others and what what you are going to get from others. I think essentially, yeah, and, and, and what what you own and 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 for the startups, it's especially important because um, when you are building a startup, the costs almost always come before you get the income from the actual product. Mm. So, so when it comes to bookkeeping, um, the balance sheet is pretty important because the own equity part and everything else comes from the balance sheet so so it's always good to know that the costs come before the income so you need to know what they what role they play in the balance sheet i think that if you have a board in in, in your startup company they will ask you the right questions regarding balance sheet so that will mm. help mm. Yeah. and what about budget I don't see a lot of startups, even entrepreneurs with more ex- experience, uh, designing a, an annual budget. Is that important? It is, and it's not. For a startup mm-hmm. company that doesn't have product market fit yet or doesn't have that much sales, it's not worth it to, like, to build up like a really huge budget. I'd like to see a budget with like a really rough budgeting. But if you base it, if you if you do like a really detailed budget, I think uh, after the first month, it's <laughs> it's something that you can just throw the paper pin because um you didn't get the sales, you got all the costs, and uh, and and it's all, all over. So you, yeah, you should do a budget, but in the startup scene or in a startup company, it shouldn't be like a, this really hardcore budgeting. It should be rough level budgeting. So that you know what's going to happen when, but uh, 
surprises <laughs> happen all the time. Or I think it's it's more like to plan and forecast, yeah. and you need to change exactly. that actively. But you know, mm. obviously, obviously, sticking into your plan at least for a while makes sense to have a focus. But you know, as as Ilka said, you know, uh, constant changes in the startup environment definitely. When it comes mm. to forecast, especially cash flow forecast, how long or far should you forecast for? I think twelve months is good to have yeah. sort of rolling forecast every time. But in order to have a plan, sort of, sort of, how will you scale your business? Mm-hmm. I, mm. I would like to see, you know, three-year sort yeah. of uh, outlook on on how to scale your business at least three to five years. But you know, twelve months rolling forecast, understanding mm. where you're heading, how much are you going to spend when you run out of money, mm. and so on. How much money will you need, and so on. I think those are the yeah. important questions. Yeah, I, I agree on those two and, and the 12 months rolling forecast so that the next three months are detailed. So the three months after that are, are well, they are sort of a forecast and the last six months are, well, that's that's a plain forecast. But anyway, rolling 12 months would be really nice. And then, and then the three years, because um, most startup founders um, plan everything for this fiscal year. If this fiscal year ends at the end of December, then that's like a cutoff point and there's nothing coming after that. So that's just like a black hole. So I would, what I require from my entrepreneurs is that they budget and, and do the forecasts. Either they do it rolling or then they do it for like, a, let's say 14 or 15 months so that there's always the next fiscal year there too. So that it's not just like a, Okay, after this fiscal year, there's the new fiscal year and starts from zero because it yeah. doesn't. So there needs to be the continuation from the from this year to the next year too. Yeah, so it's really about forcing them to think ahead. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and not just in the terms of, of fiscal year or funding mm. rounds, but but years. So three years is actually really good. I, I use three or five years, but five years is. That's, that's so a long, long time that no one can can actually imagine what's going to happen so mm. and i like what you said about you know if the the fiscal year ends but it doesn't mean that the money will end you still have them to yeah. there will be there will be a continuity so the yeah, fiscal exactly. years it just it ends only on paper exactly is there anything else that in terms of financial management we haven't covered and it's you would like to emphasize? Well, I, I think sort of just running the company financially, it's it's decisions on on how much you spend money on and, and on what. Mm. And I've seen quite a quite a many companies do rental agreements or other agreements that are quite long term and 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 you know doesn't work really well within startup environments. So I think it would be good to sort of understand. As, as a financial management practice that don't make any agreements that you don't see, you know, the end where, where you know, or, or you have more money money flowing out that you don't really have or have in your sort of near near forecast. So I think that's so those sort of practical decisions you have to make on daily basis. Yeah, that exactly that. And then, well, you should be pretty strict on the, on the stuff you pay from your gas register. So basically all the especially all the all the small subscription fees you pay for for this and pay for that and pay for everything 
make sure that you know how much you spend all, all the time yeah. and don't spend more that you can afford. Is that yeah. what you're saying? Yeah, yeah exactly. If, if you haven't planned for it. <laughs> if you haven't planned for it, yeah. Yeah, I think you sh- shouldn't be as a startup be cautious either on your growth rate. So yeah, I think that's exactly. an important part that, you know, don't limit yourself by, by being just, yeah. you know, financial nerd, but, you know, still have, have same, same decisions on what you are doing. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay. All right. Moving on now to the more interesting topic, fundraising. Let's talk about fundraising and how fundraising is tied to financial management. <laughs> I don't see one going without the other. Do you agree? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Why? Well, I think the first thing is that if 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 you if someone invests into something, they they most likely will do some calculation about how when how and when they will get something back out of that investment. Mm-hmm. And in order to do that, I think they will ask you as a as a company owner some numbers as well. And, and the only way of getting those numbers and having that dialogue is actually to have your plan in numbers. Exactly. Okay. So, and, and, then, and you need to have the numbers, you need to put them on, on your deck so that you can even show that you know what you're doing. And perhaps after that, they will get be interested in your case or not. Okay. And it's it's often fun, fancy charts, not numbers, but you know you get fancy charts from Excel and it's easier to show those with yeah. hockey sticks and, and whatnot, but, but, you know, it's, I, I think boring numbers, it's, it's very difficult to show a lot of numbers, but rather, you know, find mm-hmm. a way how to illustrate that in a, in a meaningful way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And perhaps put the boring numbers to background material and, and provide them if needed. So yeah. once the startup gets funded, do you think they should hire a financial director? It, it's kind of a twofold thing. I think mm-hmm. the decisions you need to make yourself. So you need to have understanding of the decisions. Mm. Uh, just following the numbers, sort of making making your plans into numbers. Someone can do that, you know, as an external person, definitely. So I, I think it depends on where where the where the company is. If it's very sort of cash flow constrained, then there's a lot of a uh, lot of sort of a payment type of things that need to be handled as part of that. So long payment times and investments and so on, then it might make sense to hire your own CFO to do that thing. But if it's more like uh, converting your plan into, in, into numbers and you updating the plan, then perhaps some external person would, would help you in doing that. Mm. Right. So it's, I don't know what's Ilka's, Ilka's feeling. But so I'm, I'm pretty thing. allergic to seeing CFOs at, at early stage startups. So I, if, if I see one, I, I, I normally don't invest in those companies because um, if, as, as Aki said, if you are a cash-constrained company, so don't, don't hire a CFO, which uh, those, those persons normally don't, they don't affect the cash flow in a positive way. So they don't mm. bring any, any sales more to the company. So as Aki said, those are good people. And if, you, if your business is so that it's really complicated and it need, needs a, like sort of a person to take care of it on the financial side so perhaps then but i would i would perhaps uh, just like um, get a service and, and mm. i want to do it so perhaps not hire a cfo because most of the cfos are really good persons i i really appreciate them but they don't 
they are not so effective or or like a they don't produce too much sales in the beginning let's say so right yeah i think in a startup company you can have sort of people with multi roles yeah mm. so someone who is more geared towards numbers could do the financial stuff and and at yeah. the same time perhaps uh, do some of the contract stuff and and perhaps at the same time do some hr stuff and so on so i think those mm. things definitely or the legal so, stuff or something yeah, exactly so coo or or someone who would do all of all of that as well so I, yeah. I think it's 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 more like a role than than a, a person in 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 the organization. You're saying that if the co-founders don't have any understanding of financial management, they should teach themselves. Yeah, because they they should have some understanding. So mm. because I guess there's no really successful companies that don't have any understanding of finances. I guess there's those companies don't even exist that's my that's my opinion but perhaps perhaps i'm wrong but i i think i'm not so <laughs> you have to have some understanding of the finance side too mm. when it comes to funding uh what are the different ways a startup can fund itself that's that's a broad question i think there are multi yeah. multi multitude of ways Yeah. First one, obviously, keeping costs down and 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 your commitments down, so that helps in. Yeah, in it's that. a good one. Yeah, Re- revenue is is obviously the best way of finding yeah, that's the best, company. best solution, like always, to get the revenue and and get the money from the actual customers selling mm. your own product or service. That's the that's the best way to finance the company. Mm. That's that's very interesting because I've talked to many VCs and I've seen presentations and. Mo- All of them I've seen, they always say that, uh, you know, get funded by your customers. But I have this impression that we now live in a world where, you know, the startups, the only thing they are seeking are the, the money from the VCs. And in, instead of being focused on customers, do you agree with me? Yeah, unfortunately so. Yeah, so because of the customers would be in the center and the and then the money should come from the customer and, and, and you, well, I would say that you don't have a product market be- before before the customer actually really pays like gladly right. for your service or product. So, <laughs> yeah, obviously there are businesses that require investments before you can start charging customers. Yeah. So, so that's 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 obviously a case in, in in many times. But then you need to have good understanding of the of the customers, and in some cases you are able to even even get advanced payments from customers of of you know doing something for them so right. those, are, those are sort of the easy easy ways or, or not so easy ways but mm. you know sales focused ways of, of, of handling mm. the, the funding mm. so what we're saying is put the customers at the center of everything that you do and don't put the vc at the center of everything that you do <laughs> yes But basically so and, and then well obviously the customer is not always right so so you mm. still have your own vision but but the money needs to come from somewhere and i i would hope that it comes from the customer and not from the angel investors or the vc's pocket or or from the bank or from somewhere it should come from the end customer at some phase at least when does a startup should turn when that what should a startup turn to a vc or an angel investor mm. well the 
angel investment phase and the VC investment phase are totally different phases, right. at least in, in my opinion. Now it has been sort of a trend that the, the startups try to get the VC funding in a really, really early stage, which is mm. perhaps not that good a way to gather funding. But the angel investment phase, well, does Aki have like a good rule of thumb for that? Uh, well, it, it, it so much depends on the, on the business and industry. So I, I think that's unfortunately very specific to, to that. Uh, how to how how to approach and in in what phase? If you have a business where you actually need investments, then you know go early when you already have your first sort of business plan and and not even perhaps a company established to get the first funding. But if you don't need the big investment for machinery or whatever, mm. so then then first you know the customers. And mm. I think the biggest thing is that the team team establishing the company or, or running the company has a, a good knowledge of the of customers and customer challenges that they are solving. And if they have that, then the funding becomes easier, whether you have you know revenues or not revenues. It's mm-hmm. it's then then you know the investor can trust that you know these people they will find a way how to monetize what they know. And that's that's a good starting point. Okay. But a good idea, I have this great idea that will turn the world around, but I don't know who will buy it. Uh, I don't think any any angel investor even is is very interested about those, unfortunately, right now. So I think that's that's yeah, at, at least at, at the time being. But if if you have a good team and you have the track record, perhaps someone is interested. So, or mm. obviously someone is interested if you have like a really really good track record. Mm. So, so someone will jump on board even on that phase, but perhaps shouldn't. But <laughs> but they will jump on board. But then there are, are angels and there are angels. So some angels do like to invest in the, in the really early stage startups. So pre-revenue and already like in the idea phase and, and some like to invest in the revenue phase. And it depends on the, on the company and on the, on the industry and on, on persons and on the team too. But I wouldn't, we, we bootstrapped SurveyPal for, for the first seven years and um, I think it wasn't a bad idea as such but we most definitely would have needed the help from the investors already before that mm. so perhaps it would have been a, a good good idea to get some like really small angel investments before before we went to the VC, VC round at 2013-14 so would have been a good idea why? Most of the startup founders don't know anything about running a company. We didn't, obviously. So we, we learned everything. So and if if there would have been a person that had already done at least some of the stuff we tried to do, like in the SaaS business or in the in the states market or or somewhere, I think that would have been would have made things a lot easier and, and nicer for us. So just some right. advice and. And at, at least the advice that don't do this, I, I tried it already once and it doesn't work. So that would have been mm. nice to get that kind of a piece of advice. So mm. but we didn't because of, we didn't want to get the investors in the, in the, in the first year. So. I understand. And so, okay, we're talking about different here sources of funding, bootstrapping, VC, angel investors, customers. But there is one source that we're not talking about is the bank, getting a bank loan. Mm-hmm. 
it's I not possible anymore. <laughs> yeah, it, it is, and I think that's for many many founders the first first way of of you know funding the company. The first you know six months or year year and a half, depending on the company. Mm-hmm. Right, and it's not a bad option. That's a non-diluting like a method of of funding the company, and and it as such, it's it's not a bad way to finance the company. And obviously, here in Finland, we have the public grants to to mm. back the back the investments or the bank loans up to and so the loans from bank or from business Finland and then when you go to other countries there's um, might be similar mechanisms too but but the bank loan is not a bad way to go in the beginning but but for the younger entrepreneurs perhaps that might not be a an option because the banks are not too keen on on giving loans to startups and i i totally right. understand that right so that's why you'd rather go to an angel investor or vc before before a bank and then get a bank at the at the next um, a later stage depends right depends perhaps at the very early stage too but it requires some some good background from the founders mm. <laughs> at the normal case because the banks are pretty strict because well the government and, and the officials are are really really keen on banks banks being these like a really concrete and and, and like a solid companies that don't fall down if, if the startups go bankrupt so yeah unfortunately it's it's not an easy easy path starting to be an entrepreneur especially at young age so i think yeah. you know It's it's challenging to get the first funding, but I think you know bootstrapping and 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 finding out first, you know what what exactly you need to be doing mm-hmm. in order to get this business running. So after that, things things get easier. Just had a discussion lunch with one investor, and 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 he said that there's lack of good companies where they could invest right now. So it's mm-hmm. the world could look very different when you are a bit more advanced in your yeah your growth. And I like what you said also about funding your own company you started by saying well start by saving money <laughs> yeah. well that's a great way to fund your company indeed yeah and, and then isn't the bootstrapping so so working for for example for someone else and, and doing it as a side shop i don't think that's a bad option either so so just financing it with, with your own work mm. or doing some like a consulting work for for your startup company to other companies and and doing the R&D or or the sales like a, with that money yeah not a bad option either you guys are both successful investors what does it take for a startup to successfully raise funds i think the first first step is that that uh, the the company understands the market and customers so they are very mm-hmm. sort of focused on that And, and and the solution they are building is is really something that has value to the to the customers mm-hmm. so those those two has to be there in the in, in the beginning mm-hmm. and then you know it's it's after that very much linked to the personality of the of the of the founders and who are doing the the fundraising so they need to be active they need to be building the connection focus on right type of investors and 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 and, and manage the communication and, and negotiations I think those are sort of important skills in that sort of task. Mm. But still, you know, good good companies get funded. So focus on building the company and then do all of that stuff on on top of that. I think in in that order, more or less. 
yeah the business business should always come first and fundraising shouldn't shouldn't be the first task for you unless your company's business is doing the fundraising <laughs> that's the that's the only only way way to go do it so that the fundraising should be of number one priority <laughs> but but then as as i said so the there should be the problem and the market and and um, and and the solution too and then the team should be good enough and then let's go back to the finals of projects and so the projects should be like feasible enough mm. because most of the projections are I, i've done my share of those so for this one company i did the projections i i found them from my computer like last year and i checked them out so they they were on the mark for the first year that was a five five year projects and and they were on the mark for the first year and then after that they were like just like complete bullshit so that's okay <laughs> and and it wasn't by by design so it was just so that okay we thought that okay everything would be happening like this but it didn't that's what happened so feasible enough projections and and mm. and a good market mm. okay and but Again, you guys are investors, and you see a lot of uh, pit deck, and you see you hear you hear a lot of stories. You hear a lot of you know startup telling you about their customers, the problem, the solution. Fine, but how do you make sure it's a right customer, it's a right problem, it's a good solution? How how do you select? Well, if, if the team actually has previous experience with those types of customers, then they have some deeper knowledge of the need. If they just have figured out the solution and then after that figured out that that might be the right customer group, then it's already a sort of a not the red red flag, but you know, orange at least that you know you have to dig deeper into that one way or another. So I think those those are at least couple of couple of things that you know need sort of further assessment. Then uh, if they understand, you know, how to scale the business or at least have a plan how to do it. You don't have to have all the answers, but at least you have built the plan and, and you can go through the plan together and, and discuss that, you know, here you are going to go to US and, and, and in your plan, your cost is 60,000 yeah. euros to go to US. Then you might ask that, you know, in, in, in this company where I, I was, uh, our first year budget was, you know, 300,000 and second year was about a million. And then we, after the, after those, those two years, we, we closed the first deal. So, you know, yeah. it's 60,000, you might get the first consultant to check that, you know, there's some market that you might mm. try at least at some phase. Yeah. So they should have a, at least a, like a basic grasp on the, on the market and on the, on the budgeting side. I had this one company that uh, I was doing the due diligence on them before I invested in into them they said uh, i wanted them to have like this five-year plan so which markets will we take and and when and what we are going to do so they didn't have it before i i wanted to have it then they did it and then their plan was that okay next year we will go to japan and take that market and the year after that we will go to china and take that market and then after that we will be a global company And then I was just asking that, okay, um, Japan is, is like a really huge market for this particular business. So how, how on earth are you going to take it? And then after that, after a year, you're going to take the Chinese market, which is a bit bigger market. And, and you're going to spend like 
a few hundred thousand euros for it for <laughs> both of the countries. So that doesn't add up. So right. But but yeah, I invested in the company in the end. So yeah. Uh, what yeah, make my, what make you change your mind? I bought a ticket for a ride, let's say so, and it was a good ride. Right. <laughs> no worries about that. But I in, in the beginning and and at any at any phase I didn't feel like uh, perhaps they are not going to make it I was hopeful but I was just like a, the ride was good so I, I wasn't that confident that they would be making it but the ride was excellent so no mm. worries about that it was worth it in the end mm. and that's one thing that so you should perhaps um, take or consider do that not all the angel investors uh, work only on like financial basis so the learning experience and then the ride is important too perhaps not for the vc companies that that invest someone else's money but the angel investors normally invest their own money mm. so the ride and then the learning about new things and going to the new markets might be like real valuable too right and i i think also you know we often lack with with with, with companies a a good you know ambition level Mm-hmm. Look, looks like this this team had a, a good level of ambition. I, yeah, I they had. They had. Have, <laughs> having been engaged as an investor with with people who have you know strong strong you know ambition and 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 and, and make it attitude. That's mm-hmm. always good. And it's nicer to be a part of a company that wants to do things and does things than than a company that uh, that's really careful and. Uh, doesn't overspend at any time and, and doesn't go to any any new market and, and basically does only these just like little things. Mm. It might be a better investment to be part of that that like a really careful company, but it might not be that interesting a ride. Interest, interesting. Aki, you mentioned uh, some red flags. Um, are there are there any other red flags that you know startups should consider? Well things that they should not consider doing some investors if you take in will exclude the other ones so i think there's okay. c- certain things that you know if you go go with crowdfunding in the early phase that might mm. exclude already some some vcs and some other type of investors and so on so i think oh because really some vcs to... don't like don't like crowdfunding well in many cases the company might already dilute the cap table so that you know the ownership is is not mm-hmm. majority of the ownership is within the the, the founding team and, and that's that's you know not not really good for the mm-hmm. don't don't value that that at you know VC investors and, and many angels not either that if if you know it's mm-hmm. highly diluted cap table mm-hmm. yeah and and even if it's not highly diluted if the if the founder team still has the majority of the of the stock but if the if the cap table is like a kilometer long then that's not a good sign so that's one one thing and and then the reputation of 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 crowdfunding as an instrument for for funding a company isn't that good sorry Lasse. <laughs> so if you're listening to this but <laughs> anyway it, it, the reputation is is pretty bad so there's not too many success cases coming from the crowdfunding side anything else big no nos then what what Aki already said so if if uh, in the really early stage startup the founding team doesn't hold the majority and and like a with flying colors the majority then that's a red flag so if, if an investor owns like 
50% of the company or let's say even 30% of the company when you are trying to get your first seat seat round then that's a that's a red flag too mm. so that's yeah. a problem yeah and i i think also sort of there are many businesses let's say hardware businesses mm. and so on which are very capital intensive so those typically are not seen as as good businesses but they can actually be so i think the the team just has has to sort of figure out how to make it fly and you know outsourced manufacturing is one way of doing it uh, there are companies who who give you know capital loans for these types of things when you scale your business so i think there are ways of sort of funding your uh, more capital intensive businesses uh, mm. easier way than taking huge amounts of vc funding into it So I think building that plan and actually after that, your business might be more VC fundable actually than it was before understanding that you can actually scale the business without putting huge amounts of money into it. And if you if you go into the details, so uh, about the same stuff, if you delve into details and, and go to the shareholders agreement, so that's a one red flag is that there's no shareholders agreement. That's the mm-hmm. first red flag, so there should be. And then the next red flag is that... Uh, There's something like a hidden in the <laughs> in the shareholders agreement. So the founders or the previous investors try to be sort of sort of clever, and then they hide something there, so that okay, yeah, th- there's a majority rule of, of 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 nominating board members or or something there. So you should play play, in my opinion, with the pretty standard templates for the shareholders agreement and for everything else so that it should be clear enough and simple enough for everyone. So don't try to be too clever when trying to raise funds. So just play the game. It's not about the shareholders agreement. It's not about the funding. It's about about the sales at the market and <laughs> and getting the revenue in. And, and generally, if, if, if you know, if, if you feel good in when you invest into and if you feel good in getting the investors into then it's a good start of, of a future relationship yeah mm. but if, if for somehow part of the negotiations or or other things you know there are these you know hidden things and those become visible you know it, it, it might ruin the whole investment so in, in terms yeah. of you still get the money and you get everything rolling but still you know the relationship is not there and yeah. it's a long-term relationship you can't get rid of your startup shares in, 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 you know, one, one, uh, one month, uh, one year, maybe not even in 10 years. So yeah. it's long term. Yeah. I think the average investment period in, in startups for an angel investor, it's, it's something from seven to 11 years or how was it according to FIBA and so, but, but anyway, so, so the relationship between the startup and an investor, that's all almost like a marriage and you don't marry yeah. the first asshole you meet somewhere. <laughs> you marry the, marry the person you want to marry. <laughs> yeah, that's, this is a very important topic because then it means that startup should also do some uh, background research on the VCs and the type of people they want to work with. Yeah, exactly. definitely. Because, like you said, it's a long-term, it's a long-term partnership, and often we we forget we forget about that. So just it's not about the, again, it's not about the money. Mm-hmm. I think for me that's that's the main that's the main uh, uh, lesson here. Yeah, and and it's always better to if you are a startup founder and looking for investments. I think it's nicer to say that Aki I want you to be our investor because you are such a good guy at the United States market scene 
So you've done stuff there and we really need you to be part of our team because we want to go to the stage market at some point. Uh, it's always better to say that than, than go to Aki and say that, hey, it seems that you have money. Would you give it to us? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. just, just figure out the profiles before you contact people and, and only contact those people who, who you would really like to see as part of your business, not the, not the persons that you know that have money. Because everyone has, has some money, so, mm. but you don't perhaps want to work with them. One one question that just popped into my mind. Let's say, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to get funded. I got everything. You know, I got good customers, good problem solving, everything. Got a great team. How much shares should I give? How do I calculate that? Is there a way to calculate it? Many ways. It's 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 a uh, it, it's like in any any deal making. It's it's an agreement between seller and buyer, and then you find the right numbers. And, mm. and, and if you ask too little, you know, uh, the, the buyer gets suspicious. If you ask too much, it will turn down the, the buyer as well. So I think that's sort of the starting point. But, mm. you know, there are multiple ways of, of, of calculating it. And, and you know, it, professional investors have their ways of calculating it. But mm-hmm. after all, it's, it's, it's negotiation. And, and as a startup, perhaps you should not fall into the first proposal coming in if you're asking five million and the and the you know investor is saying that you know two and a half would be closer to what we we would like to do so i think that's just the beginning of a negotiation yeah. rather than you know accepting that exactly and it's also about the amount of money you should be raising so if you want to raise 500k from from angels or or vcs your valuation perhaps shouldn't be six hundred thousand euros because <laughs> then you would be giving too much out so mm. it's about the valuation and, and it's also about the about the need or the ask how much money do you need at the moment so mm. combination of those but is there is there a cap that you should not go above because the more equity you give the less control you 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 have on your startup Well, I, I think generally, you know, if, if you give out more than 20% in one round, it's starting to be quite a lot already. Yeah, some, right. I know some VCs want to get something between 20 to 25%. So that's sort of built into their thinking. But, you know, if you give something between 10 to 20% per round, so then mm-hmm. you can have a couple of rounds and three, four rounds even, and, and then you are not really, you know, in, in trouble yet. Yeah, you're still basically hold the majority or, or close to it with your co-founder buddies. So so that's good enough. And that's, by the way, that's one point. So you, know, so you should get along with your co-founders so that mm. all of you together will hold the majority. Not so that myself or Aki as, as single individual founders will hold the majority. And that's at least in my experience that's really important so so don't hold to the single person that's a, that's a huge red flag if if one person holds the majority so let's let's say that one person owns 80% of the company so that's normally a huge red flag for me nowadays okay. or 90% it's very, of the company very difficult to see yeah. difficult to see that the other founders would be as committed as the ones yeah. so i think Yeah, exactly right. and if that one person just like holds to the majority like with 
grasps with every every piece of his power. So, mm. so that's that's a bit difficult place to be. All right. Is there any other things that we should talk about when it comes to fundraising? Target the ones that you have done some background work, as as Ilka yeah. said. I think that's important important part of it. And 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 perhaps don't waste your time in 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 contacting those ones that you already see that they are not going to invest into something like this. If, if, if you are a game gaming company, you know, there are specific investors for that sector. The other mm. ones won't invest into that and, and the other way around. Mm. And, and when invest, when, when uh, reaching out to investors, it's, it's good also to look into the portfolio they have today. And if you can find some sort of synergies, common things with the portfolio, that might be a good way to sort of, start the discussion and, and see where it leads yeah and then you know uh, w- what comes to especially angel investors you know uh, have to be very very persistent in, in 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 contacting the people contacting again and again and again and again and, yeah. and when you get the yes from investors uh, you still need to continue that to get, you know, all the paperwork signed. And when you get all the paperwork signed, still continue that to get the payments into your bank. <laughs> well, so so it's it's a very time con, con uh, time time consuming effort yeah. from for yeah. founders to get the money in, unfortunately. And and yeah. you know, I don't know any any resolution for that, but you know, that's how things seem to be nowadays. Mm. And and continuing from that. If your company's business is not doing fundraising, just try to get it done. Because if you are always in the fundraising mode, then the focus is not in the right place. So the focus should be on growing your company and doing sales, not doing the fundraising. Because I've seen quite many companies that do fundraising this year and they do it next year and they do it the year after that and and all this all the stuff that the ceo does is basically the fundraising Mm. and then that's away from the business development and that's away from the sales and so forth so so just do it it takes time and it's difficult but just do it and then then focus on the more more important and interesting things which is growing your company yeah so don't be always on the fundraising mode Right, that's, that's bad for the company and bad for the founders too. Right, so fundraising comes on top of everything else that you do, and not mm-hmm. not the other way around. Yeah, should should yeah, that's that's normally not the case because it's so time consuming. But it should should be something that shouldn't be your like primary primary work to do if you are not in the business of getting the funds in. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I f- fully agree with Ilka. With, with one notion that that uh, it's good to be also active when you are not fundraising, sort of updating the, the contact base you have with investors. Just you know, shoot an email that you know here. This mm-hmm. that's where we are today. This is our progress. First quarter, yeah. second quarter, and so on. Just keep them keep your into their radars, and and when yeah. you are ready to you know fundraise, it's a lot easier to you know contacting and and, and you know they have you know your contact information they they know your company they have followed your company for a while and it's it's quite often that investors follow your company for you know let's say nine mm. months 12 months or so before they do any investment so yeah it's just a good practice sort of keep them updated even though they in the first time say no or they say that you know this doesn't really 
really we are a bit bit you know early for us or so on so just you know continue keeping them in the loop don't you know mess up the relationship you know mm-hmm. calling every single day but you know at least keep them informed yeah exactly that's a really good piece of advice yeah beautiful so we've been talking nearly for an hour now and let's let's wrap up this conversation uh what is the number one practical tip that you would give to any startup i would i would say that you know you need to figure out your focus and and, and keep that focus mm. and, and and customer needs to be very close in that if if you change your sort of focus every week every month or so on you will not get anything done. So have a focus, have argumentation, you know, why I'm, I'm sticking in this focus. Uh, have your numbers backing up that this is this is the focus and plan we are implementing. It becomes easier to communicate that to investors and, and, and your own team as well, that this is what we are doing. So I, I think focus is, is number one, at least in my, mm-hmm. my mind. Focus is always good and I don't disagree in, in any way. I think um, perhaps just about the same stuff but but i think your target should be doing good business mm. because if you do good business um, you will get the investments if you do good business someone wants to buy your company at some point so do good business because it and if it's good business it's good for your customers too so that should be the in in my mind the one and only target so you should do good business that's the It's not easy to do, but that's that's the only target. All right, beautiful. Well, thank you very much to both of you for your time today. Thanks. Thank you, Lauren. And thank you all for listening. Before you leave, make sure you follow me on LinkedIn and Instagram for extra practical tips and knowledge about entrepreneurship. See you next time. Bye-bye.